You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. Myself, Colin Kelly, as always, bringing you the show. It is Wildcard Weekend. We are ready for the start of the playoffs. I'm really looking forward to the action this weekend. And to preview the action coming up, all in Wildcard Weekend. I'll be joined on the show today by Will Gavin of the Gridiron Podcast, uh, part of the Gridiron Magazine team over there as well. Looking forward to getting his thoughts on what's going to come up this weekend. We're also going to talk about the coaching changes around the NFL over the last couple of days, uh, Black Monday, of course, and uh, the, maybe the changes as well that didn't happen this week. Uh, some interesting things to talk about there with uh, Sean Payton staying on in New Orleans, Chuck Pagano in with the Colts for another couple of years so that's going to be interesting to talk about in a little moment as always starting the show thanks for downloading thanks for listening in uh, give us a rating a comment on iTunes Stitcher make sure you are subscribed on whichever of those you is your preferred listening option and uh, those ratings and comments do help us a lot we do thank you for your continued support and to thank you for your continued support we've linked up with the UK American Sports Store to run a competition this coming weekend they have been kind enough to give us a prize to give away to you and rather than just give us a prize and uh, say uh, oh you can have this if you win they have been kind enough to say that the winner can select the prize from their nfl clothing range on their website the website is ukamericansportstore.co.uk a wide range of nfl they have nba and hl they've really everything covered there as the name of the store suggests uk american sports they've got you covered for all the stuff you're looking for uh, getting it imported into the uk or ireland or even throughout europe but uh, looking forward to seeing all the interaction on twitter over the next couple of days as part of the competition their website is as I mentioned again, UKAmericanSportsStore.co.uk. Wide range uh, from all 32 teams on their store. And the winner, all you have to do is go to that at Overtime Ireland Twitter feed. Follow us. Make sure you're following us. Give us a retweet. Keep spreading the word of the competition. And uh, each retweet will count as an entry into that competition uh, as well. And then at the end, you can pick uh, your favorite team, the team you support, and pick some of their merchandise off the website. So make sure you enter that this coming weekend for the Wildcard Weekend. So um, without further ado, let's get straight into... Uh, previewing those games talking about the coaching changes and so on and so forth let's get Will Gavin on the show want to know who's going to win every NFL game this weekend it's time for the OTI weekend preview joined back on the podcast by Will Gavin um, he's obviously on the Gridiron podcast for NFL UK as well they used to be part of the great Tuesday morning football podcast uh, a lot of the listeners here will know him from there and uh well, the last time you were on, it was the whole start of the Kurt Cousins, and uh, you like that, uh, you know, they're playing the they're playing the Packers this week though, and since he said that, he's he's gone on an incredible run. I think he's uh, twenty three touchdowns to three interceptions. So maybe when you're on today, can we can we stop that run that Kurt Cousins is on? Look, I'm sure everyone listening at home will remember me, and don't go back and listen to it. But I definitely said after that that Kirk Cousins was going to go on a huge run, yeah. that it wasn't just the fact he was playing a terrible Bucks team that gave him those inflated numbers. And, uh, yeah, I definitely predicted he was going to turn into a Pro Bowl-looking quarterback. Yeah. He's been brilliant this second half of the season, unbelievably good. And uh, I have to say, I mean, I know we're going to get into the games, yeah. but uh, I, I, I wouldn't feel too good about it if you're a Packers fan right yeah, now. Yeah, and I, I know if people have been asking me on Twitter what I think. I said, listen to the podcast and you'll find out, but... We'll be talking about it in a minute. I am, uh, I, well, shameless plugs have to go out there. You know that yourself. Absolutely. Well. But uh, talking about the game, I am not all that confident about But Kurt Cousins, and we'll be talking about him, has been on a sensational run. We'll start off. There's been quite a number of uh, 
let's say, surprise changes, surprise non-changes around the coaching uh, in the NFL over the last couple of weeks, or the last couple of days, sorry. Black Monday, of course, after the season, even before Black Monday, we had Chip Kelly leaving the Eagles. And then on, uh, you know, it looked like Sean Payton for a long time was going to be on his way out in New Orleans. He is staying put. Chuck Pagano looked all but gone in Indianapolis. He's staying put. And not only is he staying put, Ryan Griggs and staying put as well. And just all the decisions that have gone on with different coaching changes and people staying around. And then all of a sudden, uh, we get down in Tampa Bay and we have Lovey Smith walking out the door as a as a coach and sacking. So what have you made of the last couple of days? Have you been surprised? Because I know for one that I have been pretty much absolutely shocked in a number of these decisions. Yeah, undoubtedly. Actually, the Lovey Smith decision, I back that decision from Tampa Bay, okay. even though I know a lot of other people don't. I think the play calling, uh, was, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, he's meant to be a defensive coach, was terrible down the stretch. And they lost those last four games, obviously, when they had a chance of going to the playoffs at six and six. And I, we see how the NFC shook out. OK, they probably wouldn't have made it anyway. But I I genuinely have never really rated Lovey Smith as a coach. I think he inherited a very good Bears roster that he took to the playoffs and then just continued to drive that into the ground over the course of the next four or five years. And I think they've looked at it and they've said, look, uh, we see what Dirk Cutter's done and we see what he's done with the offense. If we can keep him around at least as a coordinator, if not as the new head coach, they can continue to develop Winston. And actually, let's not allow ourselves to stagnate. Let's take this opportunity we've got and try and pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and, and become a decent franchise because there are enough pieces there that you can see that with a good draft and with a good head coach the Bucks could challenge next year certainly at least for a playoff place maybe not for a Super Bowl yet but I've been so impressed with what they managed to get out of Winston in his first season I really expected there to be turnovers galore from him yeah. he threw so many picks in college and you know he he I didn't have that problem at all. He looked fantastic. Um, and I, it just wasn't enough to save Lovey Smith's job, I don't think. Uh, you mentioned Ryan Grigson. Ryan Grigson, if anyone does have fantastic enough tech to listen to both of our podcasts, yeah. they will know that Ryan Grigson has been a personal bugbear of mine since probably about 2014. Uh, and how he has managed to somehow retain his job. I get, I do get keeping Pagano, even though it looked like Pagano was gone. Yeah. I totally understand the decision to do that because he is a guy with uh, pedigree, uh, coach, and the record while he's been there, I mean, it was, it's 11 and 5, 11 and 5, obviously a down season this season. And yeah, that can't really be blamed on the uh, Andrew Luck injury because they had a better record without him. But. Pagano's got the, the, the clout as a head coach to do well, but Grigson just didn't fix any of the issues. The offensive line has been a problem there since Luck got there, and he never... I mean, he took a couple of guys in the second, third round who didn't work out, but they've, they've never really pushed to address that. And you compare it with what the Cardinals have done this year, bringing in Valdir and, and bringing in um, uh, the guard from... Uh, yeah. Yeah. You see, like they've brought that they saw the left hand side of their line was a weakness. They brought in two guys, they managed to work them into the system immediately, and it's made all the difference for that team this season. So yeah, the line play in Indianapolis has been so bad, and that's all on Grigson as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm trying to think what other ones there were. Coughlin was a funny one to me because purely because he didn't uh, actually retire. Well, I genuinely uh, yeah. thought he he just cut losses and get out of the game. I'm gonna um name drop horribly here. I apologize. <laughs> Um, I spoke with Don Shula last night for our show okay. and for our magazine. Um, obviously, the winningest head coach of all time. And yeah, the guy's 86, but he's still quite switched on and, and still knows his stuff. And I asked him about Coughlin and, and uh, whether or not 
uh, he didn't want to speculate on what the situation was at the Giants, but I kind of put it to him that isn't that the sort of person that if you're in Cleveland, if you're in Miami, where you've got uh, certainly Miami, where they've got a quite a talent-rich roster that they've not managed to exploit the best of, and you hear his speech afterwards where he talks about making the most of the men there and, and everything else. Uh, Jerry Reese handed him nothing in his last couple of years at the Giants, and uh, you could imagine if he decides he does want to go back into coaching, which he's hinted he has, he should walk into a job. Yeah, I think uh, with Coughlin, the interesting thing is, as you mentioned, I thought he would say it's time to step away and retire from the game completely. But on the other hand, I think as well, he's done enough in his time in New York. The only problem is in the regular season, he is not the greatest regular season coach, but when he gets to the playoffs, he has obviously won those two Super Bowls. So maybe that's what they're looking at. But I think uh, New York, this could be a dangerous move for them. But I think, as Coughlin said himself, I think he was kind of urged or pushed towards the exit door. But I think he said it was the right time for him as well. And I, I do think, I just think it was the right time for him to move on. He spent a lot of time obviously in Jacksonville. Now he spent a lot of time in New York. And I think he probably will have uh, one more coaching role before he does retire. But, you know, he's had a, just a long time in that New York media market too. He did handle it uh, very, very well. A lot of people don't handle it as well as he did. So we'll see how it goes. The players obviously are affected. We've seen the uh, the images of Eli Manning over the last few days of how it affected him. Back again, I want to jump on board the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you mentioned about uh, Lovey Smith um, being in the same division as the Packers for such a long time with the Bears. I never was a big fan uh, as, of him as an overall coach. And, you know, what you said, I would have to agree with it. A lot of people aren't saying that. Uh, then on the other side it looks like Dirk Cutter is the front runner for that job going forward what he done as you mentioned with the offense with uh, Jameis Winston not only with Jameis Winston but what he done as well taking kind of re- resurrecting Doug Martin's uh, career over the season so I think uh, they done much uh, better probably moving forward I think he's going to be the guy that gets that job would you agree that uh, he's probably that is that's the only reason I think that it's an acceptable decision is if they thought they were going to lose Cutter uh, to another team this offseason as a head coach and said that we have to move now look Jason Light is I think he's a very very switched on GM I think he really seems to know what they want from that team and him and Lovey Smith they you know, they they're not they they as a on a personal relationship level uh, get on very well and they're, they're good friends and I'm sure it was a horribly difficult decision for him I mean we've seen so often and, and it's the Colts is a prime situation where the GM and the head coach if there's not a good symbiotic relationship there if they don't get on with each other then that can cause so many issues but you're not wrong I think if the plan was get rid of him and bring Dirk Cutter in Great. I think that is probably the right decision. I I have to say, overall, the quality of the coaching candidates that are available, I think there's a lot of people that people are excited about, people like Adam Gase, people like Hugh Jackson, people who have done great things as coordinators, but there's no standout head coaching candidates. There's no one who you're saying they've got a great record, uh, they've been out of the league a couple of years, they're looking for another opportunity, they've maybe won things, and that's why I think there was such such um, interest in Sean Payton because yeah. he's obviously been there and done that. So there's a lot of people who you'd like to see your team maybe take a risk on, but there's not a there's nobody out there who's an absolutely nailed on great hire. And so if they're going to go out there and try and get somebody younger, maybe somebody who is coming from a coordinator position, why not hire from within when they've got a guy there who's worked with the team and, and done wonders with Winston? Yeah, I agree. Um, when you look at it as well, you know, you mentioned that there's not a standout head coaching candidate but if you were a head coach and you had your opportunity to pick all the teams now that have those vacancies is there a team and i'll answer one in a moment maybe i'll answer the same uh, that you would think yeah that's exactly where i want to go it's uh, you know a great opportunity moving forward 
Well, obviously, as a 49ers fan, I'm going to say San Francisco. But, uh, I don't actually, think we're going to have the same answer then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I think that might be the most toxic and most difficult job, particularly while Trent Bulky's still yeah. there, particularly while Jed York's still there. Uh, you know, I, I think they've got a good chance of landing Chip Kelly because Tom Gamble was his guy in Philly before Gamble left and obviously came to the 49ers after that. So that, there's a good chance they'll get a decent head coach there. But, yeah, I, that's not the job I touched. Prior to the Bucks job becoming available... I would have said the Titans, mm-hmm. but I feel like the Titans and the Bucks for very much the same reasons. They've got um, smart. Uh, well, I don't. We don't know who the Titans GM is going to be, but they've got reasonably smart front offices. Um, the the Bucks in particular have got um, uh, a guy in Jason Light who I like a lot. They've got young quarterbacks who, in their first season, have shown a lot of promise. And the fact is, is that you can go into a talent rich team who have got absolutely no quarterback whatsoever, and you just go there and have five average seasons and get fired because you've never really done anything you can build a team around these guys and there's certainly enough on the defense of both teams to suggest that there's complementary pieces that like i said with a couple of strong drafts with some good free agency pickups they can both be contenders within the next two years so those are the jobs that i think particularly as a younger guy particularly as a coordinator type guy you go i can go there and really make my mark and make this my team yeah, I agree with you there. If you had a, I was waiting to see. I thought you would pick one of those te- teams, and I was going to pick the opposite. You kind of mentioned both of them, so I'm going to. You know, if you look at the the Buccaneers, you've already, me- yeah, you've mentioned Winston already, obviously, and um, when you look, then you've Mike Evans as well. There's a lot of talented pieces. Doug Martin's out of contract. I'd be shocked if they don't uh, try and negotiate something with him before he hits the free free agent market. So there's lots of pieces there. Uh, obviously, when we're talking about the Titans, there's no running back pieces there. We'll see. Maybe they get something in the draft this year. But you have Mariota. You have the first overall pick. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of people weren't. I think there's a lot of people coming around on Delaney Walker. Obviously, as a 49ers fan, you would have seen him when he was there with Vernon Davis. He yep. always had the back seat to Vernon Davis, but he, over the last few years, he's had uh, consistent production down there. So, I just I think those two are the, the standout the standout areas. It'll be interesting to see who an, ends up there. It'll be very interesting to see if uh, Chip Kelly gets a chance down and uh, with Marcus Mariota. Looking, for, I'm looking forward to seeing how this develops because there is so many vacancies uh, this off season but enough about the vacancies I think it's time to start talking about the games but <laughs> when um I just want to mention uh, I'm sure you've seen the story at this stage uh, the Browns have obviously uh, fired their head coach Mike Patton but on the Browns Johnny Manziel the first report was that he didn't turn up for his concussion protocol uh, test on Sunday morning the next story that has come out uh, over the last couple of days is that he was actually in Las Vegas on Saturday night dressed in a disguise with a a wig uh, along with a fake mustache and uh, a hoodie have you seen that report? Uh, yeah, I have. I, I, do you know what? I, there was a moment on Sunday morning where I thought to myself, when I saw that the, the information come out that he'd missed that protocol, it seemed like a funny one because he'd been ruled out already. Why does he need to go in and do the protocol? There was a moment where yeah, I thought, OK, let's not, get, let's not get on his back for this. this. This seems like a very silly reason to be. But then when you've seen everything else that's come out since, I mean, he clearly doesn't want to be there. And uh, I think he's had his head turned by Dallas in a big way. The rumours, the consistent rumours, that they'd be interested in trading for him. Um, I, I almost feel like with every incident like this, he drops around in terms of the pick you'd want for him. Because the Browns, realistically, for the talent level and for what he has shown in his limited starts, and I think he showed uh, some real promise this season, actually. I know it's not a popular thing to say, but I, um, I, I think he's limited in his skill set, but not necessarily. he's not necessarily somebody who's going to lose games for you if you build yourself around him. Um, 
But I think they would have wanted a second rounder for him, if not a third. And right now, Dallas could probably walk in there and offer a sixth, seventh rounder and get him for peanuts yeah. and let him sit behind Romo. Uh, yeah, Romo is a very a great team oriented guy he's the sort of person who you'd want to take a young guy under his wing and um, have the opportunity to learn actually it's a good landing spot for him if he's in the league at all this time next year but maybe even jerry looks at this situation and goes um, you know i'll take greg, Har- greg hardy and his <laughs> in onto futons full of firearms yeah. but no not the guy who goes and dresses up in vegas no thank you yeah well i think if you're going to take greg hardy on board i think you'll still give johnny another chance but um i think if they're <laughs> even thinking about giving a, a sixth round pick i think hold on a week or two and you'll probably get him off the street for nothing because i really can't see anything at this point in time other than the browns cutting ties with them but just it uh, you know when you think it couldn't get any more ridiculous uh, with johnny it, uh, it just steps up another level but we've uh, we've gone 15 minutes i think it's time to start talking about the wild card weekend <laughs> going forward i think that's what most people are tuning in for there's a lot of fascinating games going in and usually i leave packer games to the last of the the week's action but this week we'll start off with them mentioned the kurt cousin situation playing sensational football uh, it's something that just i i I'll, I'm, I'll freely admit i am not a big kurt cousins fan and probably when he was playing the last time we talked i was probably his uh, least favorite uh, person talking about him in uh, all nfl circles but um he has really uh, impressed me over the last couple of weeks he's playing very consistent uh, even if he makes a mistake he's not letting it get to him and it just even look at that first quarter he played in Dallas uh, last week was uh, pretty ridiculous throwing them three touchdown passes he's uh, he's been so consistent but I'm hoping this week that uh, he can slip up uh, but I'm not confident about this game going in for the Packers how do you see this one going it's interesting because I think the a lot of this game is going to fall on Dom Capers versus Sean McVay and, and Jay Gruden because whilst Kirk Cousins has been brilliant over the last eight, nine weeks, and I genuinely think that is down to his play as well, and some of the stats from not only that period but from the season overall really paint him in a fantastic light, and he's a guy who... I think they're definitely going to try and keep around. He's obviously, I mean, I would be shocked if they didn't tag him if they couldn't work out a deal. Um, I don't think he's going to get the big, big money on a deal, but certainly he's someone they'll want to keep in town because coming out of college, he looks like, uh, he, he always looked like a decent prospect and, Actually, they've managed to pull that draft off pretty well. Everyone laughed when they took another quarterback two rounds after exactly, taking yeah. somebody number two overall. But actually, he might be the guy to save their franchise. Um, I, but they've called really good games. That's the, the, the point I'm trying to make. They've got Jamison Crowder there. Uh, they've got Jordan Reed, who's looked phenomenal. And they've got Deshaun Jackson, who can take the top off. And if you look at the way, the, the kind of concepts and the routes that they're running with those three guys, it's exactly the opposite of what the Packers are doing. It's exactly what the Packers are failing to do in their play calling, which is the reason they're not getting going on offense, which is without Jordy Nelson, they're trying to run their same very straight routes. Uh, guys playing, if you play man coverage against Green Bay and you've got decent man coverage corners and safeties, then you're going to have no problem because they're relying on individuals to get separation. Whereas... You watch the way the Redskins run uh, their plays. It's all, you know, we'll have Crowder going on an out route. We'll have Jordan Reed running a slant across the middle. We'll have somebody else coming across the other side. And it's all designed to confuse those coverages and not allow you to play man and, and force you into zone. And that's why Jordan Reed in particular has been so good. They, and there seems to always be somebody open. And we've seen in almost every Washington game recently, there's been blown plays and a big touchdown. Yeah. And that's been down to the play calling which has been so so strong and then Kirk Cousins having the vision to see where those blowing plays are coming from so I am concerned for the Packers I do like I actually like what their defense have done this year overall I think it was very up and down I think that first eight game stretch 
uh, you the defense was maybe six games, eight games. The defense looked very, very strong, was masking yeah. a lot of the problems on that offense. And then when the team took a dip, I think that was a lot to do with the defense as well. But actually against the Vikings last weekend, if it wasn't for the defensive touchdown, uh, you, you held Adrian Peterson well. I think Mike Daniels is an unbelievable player. You obviously saw the brilliant pick from Micah Hyde. Uh, yeah. There's plenty to like the Packers defense, which hasn't been true in previous years. And Washington don't really have much of a run game, which is going to allow you to sit back and concentrate on uh, what they're doing in the passing game. And uh, that's if it's going to be won by the Packers, it's going to be their defense that wins it for them. And maybe Rogers just making a couple of ridiculous plays. Yeah, it's very funny actually because when you were talking, I was trying to think of what I was going to counter with. And you mentioned about all the options the Redskins have. Well, the Packers' defense has been a lot better than it's been discussed uh, basically in the media this year. Watching their games, um, even the games that they are well let's just uh, forget about the Cardinals game for a moment <laughs> when they <laughs> but uh, I said that there will never forget that Cardinals game yeah. he came to town specifically to meet me from work and watch it in a bar and uh, I think it may have been one of the worst decisions of his adult life yeah. it was uh, a real real uh, that was just a destruction but uh, you know looking at them all season I think they've been much better people keep saying that they need to get Clay Matthews back out to outside linebacker I think he's done a very steady job in there at inside linebacker because if you look at Jake Ryan alongside him there's times when he does look very inexperienced he is only a rookie so I think that guidance in there helps him as well I think the cornerbacks are playing well I think all around uh, it's just looking much better Sam Shields is still in concussion protocol that's three weeks since he had that concussion so I I would be concerned about him even going forward when you have a concussion for that long that you haven't cleared the protocol but around the, uh, the rest of it offensively you mentioned the the difference in the schemes Redskins throwing the ball deep the Packers almost rarely throwing the ball past 10 yards uh, at any single moment this last kind of five or six weeks it has really become a very vanilla offense I think if they're going to win this one they're going to have to get the run game going we've seen glimpses from time to time of Lacey starting to get fired up but it just hasn't been consistent and uh, sometimes they just haven't been confident enough to give him the ball then Jim Starks he gets going every so often and he's had his issues with fumbling this season so we'll see where it goes from that side I think if they can be a little bit balanced try and run the ball a little bit more move the chains and then uh, we'll see how the defense holds up and you mentioned the Redskins as well. What they're doing on offense has been so impressive because they don't they don't really have much of a run game going at the minute. So it's going to be a fascinating game. Uh, you know, obviously my heart says I want the Packers to win, but if I uh, if I had no if I had no call on this, just outside of who's going to win it, I would have to uh, roll with the Redskins. Yeah, I think I'm I'm going the same direction as you. I think you mentioned Eddie Lacy. I mean, he's almost Mike Tolbert size now, and I don't understand how. You can have a guy, uh, like, you're a professional athlete. Get some conditioning sorted. Like, uh, when they have had those good games, I think back to the Cowboys a few weeks ago, when they ran the ball uh, so successfully throughout that game, I think if you can get you that balance going there is a chance for the Packers here I think there's always a chance in playoff football I know it's a cliche in any given Sunday yeah. and all of that but uh, yeah I, I'm fancying Washington as it currently stands yeah it's gonna be interesting I do think uh, I think this I have to say the Redskins will be the pick but I'm kind of doing a bit of reverse psychology here but uh, if things go to plan if the Packers defense turns up I do think running the ball is going to be a key to their success this week so but I think we're both picking the Redskins and that is the first time in quite some time I've actually gone with a pick against the Packers which shows how little confidence I have in this upcoming game <laughs> uh, the the team that bet the Packers last week uh, the, the Minnesota Vikings they're at home this week their prize for winning the division is hosting the Seattle Seahawks talk about a fantastic uh, prize for winning the division but they at least <laughs> have, they have made the playoffs um 
playing very consistent, but it's only a couple of weeks ago since the Seahawks came to Minnesota and uh, pretty much destroyed the Vikings. So will the Vikings uh, change things up a little bit for this? Defensively, they have got pieces back. They had a couple of players banged up in that. Uh, they did look very good defensively against the Packers last week. Offensively, you know, you're trying to get Adrian Peterson going. We'll see how he goes against the Seahawks. The Seahawks, though, are playing uh, very, very good football over the last kind of six weeks. Yeah, I, I, my feeling is that this game is going to come down to uh, Russell Wilson. And uh, sadly for the Vikings, Russell Wilson has been unbelievably good the last yeah. six or seven weeks, bar the blip against the Rams. And as we know, the, the Rams, it's that divisional thing. It's the way they play them so tough. It's uh, I'm... I think they do need Lynch back and running well. And I think uh, we, we won't talk about the Patriots because they've obviously got the bye. But I think fans are looking at players coming back from injury just a little too much for me and expecting them to suddenly come in and perform at a top level. Whereas actually, when you're coming off a, an injury that's kept you out for three or four games, as it, in Lynch's case, it's been longer than that, you know, you're going to come back with A, a bit of rust, and B, the, the fear that you're going to re injure yourself. Um, yep. And actually, he wasn't very good before. This is the, the, the kind of got me. I mean, I, I, I looked up the stats before we before we chatted, and he's got three point eight yards per carry, which is inflated massively by the game against the 49ers. It drops down to something like three point one if you take that game out. But he's averaging less than sixty yards per game, just three touchdowns across the seven games he did play in. You know, this isn't this isn't the Marshawn Lynch that we've seen in recent years and been really impressed by. So people who are thinking he's going to come back this week, he's going to run the ball, he's going to be impressive, will be fine. I, I think. People will be surprised. I'd be personally surprised if he comes in and, and runs for 100 yards and gets 25 touches. Um, in terms of the Vikings, I think the Vikings can win this. I really do. Um, I know it was week 13 when they got blown out, but in that game, they had no Linville Joseph, they had no Anthony Barr, yeah. they had very little Harrison Smith. I think with Linville Joseph back, they can go back to bringing pressure with four up front, which is what they did so well prior to him going out. Anthony Barr attacking that kind of a gap with the blitz which he couldn't do again against seattle they just need to get to wilson a lot make sure he is kept in the pocket hit him plenty sack him plenty and that's going to be the big big difference And if they can do it with four and then they can drop everyone else back into coverage against uh, what's been a great passing attack in recent weeks in and let's not miss off the fact that it's going to be minus 15 degrees yeah. <laughs> it's and gonna be quite cool just, and yeah, and minus fifteen to minus twenty with wind chill—that's properly cold. Yeah. And a, it's more difficult to catch the ball in those kind of environments, and people will rely more on the run. But while Seattle don't play in the nicest of weather markets, it's a very, very different game coming in there. I have no idea why the Vikings are moving back indoors next season. They might win this game because it's cold. Yeah. Yeah, you do get you know you have a bit more awareness of the elements and so on. You mentioned there obviously the key pieces coming back like Barr and Joseph, uh, Russell Wilson in that game a couple of weeks ago, and that did get out of hand very very quickly. So maybe you can see why it ended up in such a blowout. But um, Russell Wilson fitted a lot of key passes into a lot a lot of tight windows in that game, and then with getting your your starters back in, maybe that won't happen as easy this week. I think it's going to be very low scoring. You mentioned Marshawn Lynch coming back as well. Sometimes I think people think that they're playing a Madden video game where comes back off injury and you just plug him back in he's a whatever a 96 rating going forward but uh, when you do come back from injury obviously you're trying to get yourself worked back up your fitness mightn't be as good so they mightn't get as much touches but again we are talking about Marshawn Lynch 
It is, this game is uh, it is fascinating because a lot of times I mentioned it after that Packers game with the Cardinals. Sometimes you see a game like that and there's a blowout. Or we've seen the Cardinals and the Seahawks last week. Uh, that then when it comes back three or four weeks later in the playoffs, we see a totally different scenario. So I think with it being so cold, it's going to suit the run game. It's going to suit the way the Vikings play. I'm just uh, I think the Vikings could be uh, have a sneaky edge in this game. Yeah, and, and we haven't talked about, we've talked all about one um, side of the ball, but obviously we've not talked about what the uh, uh, what the Vikings can do on offense. And uh, I'm, I'm not Teddy Bridgewater's biggest fan by any stretch of the imagination, but he's had, I think, three of the four best games of his career have come in the last four weeks. And he has looked much more consistent. And uh, Adrian Peterson has obviously had a ridiculously good season. He's the rushing leader. Uh, you know, him and Lynch, there's going to be consistent comparisons between the two, both taking just five picks apart in the same draft. You know, uh, Peterson, I have more, with Everson Griffin in particular stepping up for the Vikings in the last couple of weeks, uh, more so than we've seen him do earlier in the season, I fancy the Vikings to stop the run more, even though Seattle have been so good against the run this season. Peterson broke off that one big run against them um, a few weeks ago, and, and yeah. I could imagine him he's so explosive and if he can find those holes and as we said it is cold if he gets those opportunities then there is a chance for them to get moving on offense but it 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 is really going to come down to if the vikings can stop the seahawks if they can stop the seahawks and they can keep this one tight then i think they can put together long drives leaning on peterson eating up clock and and kind of build those sorts of momentum building drives and allow Bridgewater just to pass short. He's brilliant when he's passing short of the sticks and going less than 10 yards. Uh, It's just his deep ball that really isn't very impressive. Um, I I genuinely, there's part, I really want to back the Vikings here, but I just can't quite do it. I think I'm taking the Seahawks and I hate myself, but I expect this to be so much tighter than it was in week 13. Yeah, I expect most people who are just you know going to watch the game are expecting the Seahawks to do similar to what they did in Week 13. I don't think it's going to be like that due to the weather, due to you know being playoffs a bit more cagey. I just had a, a frightening thought when you were talking about how cold it was going to be and Adrian Peterson breaking a run. It's going to be absolutely no fun for either team defending against uh, Adrian Peterson or Marshawn Lynch in those uh, cold temperatures, trying to wrap them up to tackle. So <laughs> uh, good luck for those guys this weekend. But I'm going to go with the the Vikings. I think they've been consistent all year. Uh, I think if they keep the Seahawks to a low score, I think they win. The problem with the Vikings is anytime the game the opposition scores kind of you know that 28 points, they uh, really struggle to match that mark. So that is the issue that I would have with the Vikings but home field advantage in the playoffs it uh, definitely does count for something that I'm going for the Vikings in that one two other games this weekend and they're both very fascinating these this is one of the best wildcard weekends I think in the last few years I was, I was I was saying that to somebody just three or four days ago and actually it was quite nerdy I was at sat at home and I was we just um, we did our um, end of season award show earlier this week, and I was doing prep for that. And as part of it, we did a little look back at week seventeen because it was our earlier in the week um, podcast, and we do two a week. But I, I was just looking at this weekend, and I was thinking, genuinely, I could give a real case for any of the, uh, any uh, you know combination with these eight teams. Yeah going through i think the a lot of people are saying i'm going to pick the road team in all four games because they're the stronger team i I genuinely believe it could go either way with all of these games and i'm more excited about this wildcard weekend than i have been in several years Uh, and i that's got a lot to do with the fact that these games are so uncallable i think we've probably talked about the two that are less close of the two there's probably a better yeah, way yeah, of saying exactly, yeah. it. Uh, the AFC games both of them are 
fascinating. Yeah, because um, when you look at it as well, you mentioned the people picking the road teams. It's the first time I think uh, I was listening to a thing and they didn't know if they could confirm uh, the report at that time. But that as a betting perspective, that the four road teams are going to be the four favourites going into this game. And they don't think that that's happened in a wildcard weekend in NFL history. Um, the game we're going to talk about first is the Chiefs and the Texans. And the Chiefs on a 10-game winning streak. The Texans, I think I, I read out a stat on the, the last podcast I done that I think is it the last, uh, maybe the last nine games they've held five teams to six points uh, in those games so they're they're really dominant and defensively um, all the way through the, kind of the last two months of the season the Chiefs as well dominant and defensively so this is all these teams are so well matched up um, the Texans are at home uh, you know I think I'm just going to have to give them the edge due to how well they've been doing defensively how much they've been lowering teams to score and then the problem for the Chiefs is they don't score a lot of points on a consistent basis so I think coupled with uh, what the Texans are doing defensively and then I do think the Texans while they aren't consistent on offense they do have the opportunity to have explosive plays uh, particularly with DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup so with the way things are going I'm going to go for the Texans in this one but uh, I can as you say I could make a valid point and a valid argument to say that the Chiefs would win it as well yeah and and this is when we talk about these two teams and these two defenses uh, the Chiefs started at one and five the Texans started two and five and what changed in those last 10 games well, the top three defences in the league in the last 10 games of the season are the Texans, the Chiefs and the Seahawks, who obviously got Cam Chancellor back after yep. he was out early in the year. So these two defences are, are just ridiculously good. And I, I, again, I apologise to anyone who's going to listen to both shows this week because I'll repeat myself <laughs> on this point on both shows. But if it wasn't for Ron Rivera and to a slightly lesser extent Bruce Arians, we'd be hearing Andy Reid and Bill O'Brien, a legitimate coach of the year candidates for yeah. what they've done turning these teams around um, and it, the pass rush in this game is ridiculous you've got JJ Watt and Whitney Merciless have combined for 29 and a half sacks the most in the NFL for any duo you've got Tamba Hulley and the returning Justin Houston on the other side up against a Texans O-line that's lost Dwayne Brown in week 17 yeah. a pro bowl left tackle um, I, for the, on the Texans side I, I think what I, the, the matchup that nobody thinks is interesting, but I think is interesting, is Alex Smith and what he's going to do up against the Texans' backfield because they play that kind of cover four quarters coverage, which is so flexible um, with two deep safeties who can get up there and get involved in the run as well. But literally, the, the corners and the safeties read the field in four completely separate sections, and it means that they can do almost anything and what it does is means they can disguise their looks really really well and if you're disguising against Alex Smith who is very very safe then you could force him to hold on to the ball and when you're holding on to the ball yeah. and you've got JJ yeah. Watt and Whitley Merciless and Jadavian Clowney coming at you the one thing you don't want to be doing is holding on to the ball uh, so that's why I like the Texans to an extent but the Texans are 5-1 and one in the division 4-6 and six out of it they're basically the new Colts um <laughs> I really don't trust Brian Hoyer and the fact that Dwayne Brown's out as well. I'm I'm taking the Chiefs, but I think it's going to be like 12 points to 10. The reason, uh, the one reason I'm nervous about taking the Texans is, as you mentioned, uh, Brown on the offensive line being out. The the Texans, and nobody's talking about it because of Arian Foster being out, but between them, I talked about this on uh, Tuesday's podcast as well, between them, the three running backs that they've had in there over the last kind of six, seven weeks, over the entire season, they're averaging five yards, over five yards of carry between the three of them. So they are running the ball particularly well, and that surprised me when I read about that. Uh, the Chiefs, on the other hand, they are running the ball well as well. So I think this will be uh, you know clock management. I do think, though, if the Chiefs fall behind 
let's say they uh, are 21 to 7 down in the third quarter i think they're going to really struggle to get themselves back into it whereas if the texans do fall behind i do think that uh, they have the opportunity to get those explosive plays and get back into it so uh, i'm going to go with the texans i do think i'm really looking forward to this game because uh, there are two teams who have kind of slipped under the radar people aren't talking about but uh, their defense uh, going forward for the rest of the playoffs whoever wins this game is going to be a tough uh, matchup in the next round as well and while i don't think either of them are going to win the the super bowl i think uh, they're going to be whoever wins it's going to be tough um, i'm not quite sure who, who do you know who uh, the winner of this faces uh so it will uh, obviously it's de- dependent on record um i'm trying to think about yeah. texans uh, have got the worst so if the texans win they're guaranteed to go and face the broncos because okay. they've got the worst record of any afc team but if the chiefs win it depends on who wins in the other game as to who plays who okay. uh, the Texans definitely go to a uh, mile high though yeah actually i have the graph I just, I my head by the way i'm yeah, quite impressed with I'm, I'm impressed too because uh, i actually have the the graphic of it all on my phone saved as a screenshot but uh, my phone's just not sitting beside me at the moment so thanks for verifying all that uh, so we're on opposite sides in that game and it's going to be a good one to watch uh, next up then is the steelers and the bengals bengals obviously uh, still without andy dalton possibility that he could suit up this week but uh, it, he won't be starting aj mccarran getting the start the steelers on the other hand have got in the back door of the playoffs uh, looked like they had blown their chance after week 16 against the ravens got over the line last week against the browns but the Steelers have not been all that impressive I know we talk about their high-powered offense they've played two uh, very poor teams over the last two weeks and haven't looked all that good do you think they bounce back and become that high-powered offense that we have been kind of glowing about over the last uh, two months or do you think uh, the Bengals put real real pressure on them here I'm really glad you've said that because a lot of people are picking the Steelers in this one, uh, mainly because of AJ McCarron. And I think AJ McCarron's been reasonably impressive. I think uh, his worst game was probably the game against the 49ers, but he did more than enough to win that game. So if your worst game is a win, that's absolutely fine. I think he's shown real poise, particularly up against passers. He's... He looks very mature and and it's a weird balance and a conversation that we got into recently as well that AJ McCarron obviously came out of Alabama. For a lot of people, it was a knock that he was playing in such a pro-ready team. With so so many good players around him. Because it it masks whether or not he's a truly great player. And actually, I think that in some ways, being in that pro-ready offense and being around those players, he came in and he immediately had poise, a little bit of cockiness, but I'm fine with that from a a little you know, bit or a lot? <laughs> <laughs> probably a lot of cockiness, admittedly. Uh, we, we, we spoke to him, weirdly, uh, way back two years ago before the draft. And even then, you know, he thinks of himself as like a, sec- a first, second round talent. Yeah. Obviously dropped to a lot lower than that. And I, you know, I, I think he deserves a little bit more love than he's getting. They're basically running the same offense with him. A little bit safer, but they're still throwing the ball deep. He's still finding AJ Green. Uh, Tyler Eifert came back, obviously, from his injury and immediately started catching touchdowns again. So there is plenty to see from the Bengals and the Steelers' defense is terrible. Like I, I know that they've been... Okay, they've been okay in fits and starts but what i found with them is their consistency over four quarters is just not there at all and they'll be keeping a team in a game i think about the um the seahawks game where the defense were excellent for the first two quarters and the offense was so high powered and really genuinely at half time i thought the steelers were going to take that game and then for three series the Steelers' defense gave up three consecutive touchdowns and fell apart. And that's the kind of thing that they can do. They're young and they're a little bit inexperienced. And they've obviously had a change at coordinator. And then on the offensive side, okay, yeah, you've got Big Brown, Big Ben, Big Brown, Big Ben, <laughs> Antonio Brown. You might as well call, combine them and let's call them Big Brown. Yeah. Um, you've got those two who are just 
ridiculous players. Uh, Big Ben might be the only quarterback who can win two Super Bowls and then become a decent quarterback. He's got better and better over recent years, but without uh, I, I, last season they lost Le'Veon Bell in Week 17, and then in their wild card game, no Steeler rush for more than 25 yards when they lost the following week. Yep. They've got no D'Angelo Williams. They've got no Le'Veon Bell. Jordan Todman and Fitzgerald Toussaint had a combined 22 snaps this season prior to D'Angelo Williams going down last weekend. I just think that without the run game as well to offer them a bit of balance, it's for the Steelers to win, it's just going to have to take a couple of moments of pure magic. Otherwise, I think the Bengals will grind it out. That's that's kind of the direction I'm heading in. Yeah, I agree with you there. You mentioned as well, you know, D'Angelo Williams, I have to say, we have to give him a lot of credit as to how he's performed this season. He's had a phenomenal year in his first year down with the Steelers. Yeah, 100%. I, I really, really impressed with D'Angelo Williams this year. I think he has a shout of being, if he'd been playing through more games, he has a shout of being a guy who should be considered in the Pro Bowl class and, yeah. and potentially in the comeback player as well. But obviously Le'Veon Bell did come in and, and play that series of games, which has probably taken him out of those contentions. But yeah, when he's been in, he's been unbelievably good and nobody would have expected that after he left Carolina. And in fact, it's been perfect. He left Carolina, got really good. Jonathan Stewart suddenly got given the workload yeah. and got really good. So it just showed that actually sometimes if you've got two guys who could be number one backs given the right situation in the same city it doesn't always combining those guys in the backfield doesn't always work no i agree with you there then on the rest of it you mentioned the steelers defense definitely inconsistency is their issue uh, they can make plays they can turn over the ball uh, from time to time but then at the same time they can just make uh, absolute bonehead decisions you've mentioned aj mccarran too and i wanted to make the point i didn't know if you would make it as well just uh, he has been fighting those passes at the game in particular against the denver broncos although they did loss, lose and it was him losing that fumble at the end that sealed the deal but in the start in the first half in particular and that uh, you know he's fighting those uh, wide passes out to aj green he was fighting marvin jones he's found marvin jones with a couple of deep passes this season since he's come in same with uh uh, AJ Green and then he's fighting Tyler Eifert since he's come back in the last couple of weeks healthy and there's those passes down the seam where it's quick reads and you have to be accurate with the pass because you're going to have the safety in there as well so he is playing a lot more poised than I would expect we mentioned his confidence he did say uh, after Andy Dalton got injured that it's the same way that Tom Brady got his opportunity so maybe he'll lead the Bengals all the way to the Super Bowl and become one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time but that that is less likely than likely but uh, I think just looking at the situations the one thing I haven't been impressed with the last four or five weeks of the Bengals is the run game Jeremy Hill has been very touchdown dependent for people playing fantasy football if you're looking at it that way but now the fantasy football season's over we're just looking at it from a running back perspective they haven't really been using Giovanni Bernard whether he has picked up a knock at some point he was playing very well the first deck in eight weeks of the season he slowed down a lot and then uh, obviously with Jeremy Hill it's really just uh, he's been force fed the ball but he has uh, over the last couple of weeks had a few nice touchdown runs as well but uh, overall home field advantage and everything uh, in between I just think I'm going to have to give uh, the Bengals the edge in this one isn't it amazing that um, Jeremy Hill leads the NFL in touchdowns yeah. over the last two that's ridiculous that's, uh, <laughs> four more than Marshall Lynch and Lamar Miller more than DeMarco Murray who had that ridiculous year last year yeah, it's it's nuts considering the level of play and I think you're right the run game isn't there but um I, I was just, I, I, whilst I was looking, I was quickly having a look up the, the uh, Bengals depth chart because I'm that cool. And uh, I, I think the, the other thing that needs to be mentioned as well is the Bengals defense. Well, they got Vontaze Perfect back. I don't know if you're going to mention him, but he's been phenomenal again. Uh, unbelievably good, Vontaze Perfect, particularly since coming back. Um, as le- I think he's led the lead in, league in tackles since he came back in. I remember reading that somewhere last I think, week. I think that's what up. he does every time he plays in the NFL. <laughs> 
<laughs> Pretty much. Um, but uh, the thing for me is that they take uh, George Loka and Reggie Nelson and, and those two safeties, and they play two deep safeties almost all of the time. Yeah. And when you've got a really good running game, that's ideal. If you see two deep safeties and you've got a great running back in your back, you know, if they were coming up against, I know they can't because it's the playoffs, but if they were coming up against one of the Vikings or the yeah. Seahawks, this we were just talking about, those teams would be rubbing their hands and saying, we are going to absolutely smash the ball down your mouth. Even though you've got your know, decent, someone like Geno Atkins on the line, I think they'd still have such success running it. And the Steelers just aren't going to be able to do that. So they're going to be able to sit deep. They're going to be able to play cover threes, cover fours, the whole game and just say, all right, beat us with your arm. We know it's one of the best in the game, but we're just going to absolutely blanket all of your receivers. And uh, yeah, I, I, the Bengals should win this. Yeah. Should. Just when you were talking about that, <laughs> you know, the thoughts that uh, were actually running through my head was uh, we've just actually both picked the Bengals to win a playoff game. <laughs> it's, it's all right because their head coach is really good in the playoffs right yeah that's exactly, yeah, that's the, exactly the, truth. the truth did you know uh, I, I, this is another stat that I read this week Marvin Lewis 0-6 in the playoffs all of those obviously with the Bengals uh, Jim Mora Sr. is the only other guy who is 0-6 in the playoffs so if Marvin Lewis loses this weekend he becomes the worst playoff head coach of all time yeah so hopefully he gets at least one win to go along with those other six uh, one and six he's on the comeback trail again and we'll see how he goes moving forward but uh, it's been a lot of fun as always Will having you on the show uh, you can follow Will on Twitter it's at Will Gav that is G-A-V for his surname which is Gavin uh, anything while you're on obviously you mentioned you're doing another podcast shortly after this uh, what all have you got going on that you want to give a, a quick shout out to uh, like we said, the podcast will be coming out later today. Uh, search on your podcatcher or iTunes, The Gridiron Show. Uh, you'll get the stuff there. It's just me and Ollie today, but the show earlier this week was really good fun. We had Paolo Bandini from The Guardian and Mike White from the BBC and broke down our regular season awards. So that was great fun. And, and like I say, today, Don Schuler. It's, it's an interesting interview. Yeah, it, like I said, the, the guy, it, we spoke to him a couple of years ago for the magazine, and that's kind of where the link's come from but the guy is 86 so give him some time with some of the answers but he's still got great insight we talk about that 72 team the fact that it's apparently an absolute myth that they pop the corks which absolutely (laughs) i love that myth um but uh yeah that's really good fun and then we are uh we have teamed up with nfl uk to do their super bowl party this year um, they, uh, they're not going to be doing the Super Bash uh, this year and, and potentially going forward they're going to be looking at potentially focusing on doing more regional parties becoming less London focused so I'm sure fans will be delighted to hear that but for this year uh, we did a great party the last two years at the, uh, um, at the Bloomsbury Bowl Lanes we're doing the same again this year so if you check out at Gridiron on Twitter ticket links will be there and it'll be we're gonna, there will be an NFL legend there we haven't got the name confirmed yet but we've been promised a Super Bowl winner so uh, you'll be able to come down, do the meet and greet, watch the game on a big screen, have beers with you know, 800, 1,000 other NFL fans. It'll be great fun. Yeah, it should be very good. Unfortunately, I'll not be able to go to it because I'll be, uh, you know, whatever it is, 10,000 miles away. But uh, anyone that is uh, able to go should definitely. <laughs> I was going to say, unfortunately, I won't be able to go to it because I'll be 5,000 miles away west in the Bay Area. Oh, so feels, I just uh, feel so sorry for you there. Um, we're just going to end the show now on that note. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm only joking. Uh, that'll be an amazing experience. And obviously as a 49ers fan as well. But uh, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to this weekend's action, as we mentioned already. And uh, until the next time, uh, have a good one. You're a good man. Thank you very much.
thanks once again to Will for coming on. It's always good talking NFL with him and uh, some interesting thoughts. We agreed on a lot of things. We disagreed on some things. So uh, that's it's always interesting to get different perspectives on all things NFL. As I mentioned on Tuesday's show, uh, the music on today's show is well provided by Malcura, band here in Australia. And I've uh, seen them in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago playing some street music. Uh, interesting style of rock and uh, all played instrumentally. And I have to say they have a very, very funky, cool sound. So do check them out. It's Malcura there on Facebook as well. M-A-L-C-U-R-A. Do check the guys out there. So we've kind of wrapped up all the playoff action. I mentioned I'm not confident about the Packers coming game this weekend against the Redskins. Hopefully they can scrape over the line, but they just have not been playing very very well as of late so uh, with all that done hopefully you're looking forward to the action hopefully we've given you a good preview filled you in on all things coming up this week and uh, until i'm back with the recap early next week of course enjoy the games have a good one thank you for listening to the overtime ireland american football podcast please follow us on twitter at overtime ireland Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.